Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the Dogs Program. The Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools are here every week at 12 midday Saturday to defend and to promote public education. And we usually give you a press release. We didn't last week, but we've got one this week, and it's on our website at www.adogs.info www.adogs.info at press release 661. And this is it. What does the election result mean for public education? Mr Turnbull has scraped home and is announcing this as a mandate for the coalition budget and policies. But given a slim majority, the crossbench and the adverse Senate... Has he won an election or been given a poison chalice? Australian citizens have just wandered further and further away from the major parties. Why? Have they rejected the neoliberal mess created by three decades of Lib Lab governments? And if so, what does this mean for the future of public education? In the immediate future, given the behaviour of Mr Turnbull and his so-called mandate, or claim to have a mandate, it means no Gonski after 2017. But dogs suspect that, as in England, many citizens have never been persuaded that they or their children have benefited from the neoliberal globalisation policies imposed upon them since the 1980s by the major parties, nor have quite a few public education people ever considered that the state aid which was given to private schools in the 1960s has ever been a good thing for public education, quite the reverse. Even the mainstream media can no longer ignore completely the educational failures, the public funding scandals, the inequalities and the lack of private sector accountability in Australian education. There's been a whole plethora in the last week in the Fairfax media and even it's, it's overflowed into the Murdoch media, of all things, of um, strange sex and their schools and how they're getting more money than public schools. Now, much was made in a, this last election, or when people were, were talking about it, of the Labor Party's Medi-Scare campaign. But the mainstream media have to date ignored the effect of the public school vote but the Labor Party and the Greens know otherwise. And the Australian Education Union has no doubt of the effect of their campaign on the Labor Party's successes. 
They noted that the exit polling by Sky News found that 63% of voters rated education policy as very important as an issue, second only to health on 72% and well ahead of economic management. And this backs the AEU polling in marginal seats in the final weeks of the campaign, which showed that voters clearly supported um, Gonski and backed investing in schools ahead of Malcolm Turnbull's cuts to company tax. Voters supported Gonski by a margin of 61.6% to 17.4% and 63.6% preferred it to company tax cuts. So the coalition's arrogance in refusing to fund the essential public services that families rely on has come back to haunt them. At least two winning ALP candidates, Mike Kelly from Eden Romanero, and remember we've always been told that Eden Romanero was the bellwether seat, and Emma Hussar from Lindsay have credited the support for Gonski in the community as one of the key issues which got them elected. Now, other electorates where the funding campaign, the public funding campaign, had a local coordinator in place, which recorded high swings away from the coalition, include Gilmore, Dobell, Macquarie, Ford and Longman. And these were the ones, these were the seats, dear listeners, that the Liberal Party were tending to take for granted, weren't they? Their regional or outer suburban seats, often with high numbers of low SES students where schools are the major beneficiaries from targeted funding, from the so-called Gonski funding. It's also clear that education funding was an issue in Tasmania, where there were huge swings against the coalition, leading to the loss of three seats. Under Malcolm Turnbull's plan, not only would schools miss out on their funding, but Tasmania's public schools would actually have their funding cut after 2017. And people weren't silly and they knew who they were going to vote for. During the election campaign, individual public schools had many principals willing to stick their necks out and tell the parents through newsletters or leaflets the facts about what funding or Drugonski was doing and what their school would miss out on if they didn't get the full six years funding. There were teachers and school support staff prepared to go on the record and go into the community and stand up and fight for their students. Well, this is a little bit different, isn't it, from the principals in the Catholic schools that refused to send home the report from the uh, Catholic Education Office that nobody was to vote for the Greens. People still voted for the Greens, you might notice, and, of course, Adam Bant got back in and the others didn't do too badly at all. All right, what is to be done? One of the primary problems for the public sector education and the public sector in other fields too in Australia has always been a political one. The political problems for the private sector appeared to be solved in the 1960s and the public sector has been in trouble ever since, attempting to counteract the unholy marriage of the old Protestant with the new Catholic establishment ever since. In the current parliament, the public sector has sector-blind and consequently half-hearted support of the Labor Party and the Greens on the crossbench and in the Senate. Now, dogs say the half-hearted 
uh, support of the Labor Party and the Greens because although they advocate funding for disadvantaged students, none of them is ready to confront the religious sector. Nevertheless, what is certain in the 2016 election is the decline in the old DLP vote from a high point of 9.8% in 1958, a few years before the advent of state aid to religious schools, and it was the DLP vote that got Benzies over the line in 1961, you might remember, and I think he was in even a worse position than Mr Turnbull is. But the DLP um, have gone in almost to oblivion. Their Senator Manigan resigned a year or two ago and they were deregistered for lack of members in July 2015. Now, although the DLP got themselves reinstated as a party on the 1st of March 2016 and stood in this election, their vote rarely reached the 1% mark in any state. So the days of the Gare, McManus, Harrodine blackmail are long gone. Or have they? The DLP represented a departure from the Labor of middle-class Catholics back in 1954. Over two decades, however, many DLP supporters migrated their allegiances to the Liberal and the National parties. Where before 1975 Catholics had been rare in the Liberal Party, the sectarian divide in party support has largely disappeared. The new establishment arrived long ago, especially the Riverview and other boys. The parents of prominent Liberals such as Tony Abbott and Andrew Robb were actually part of this DLP migration. The current right wing of the Liberal Party had their ideological roots in both the DLP and the right wing think tank, the Institute of Public Affairs. Few people remember that Bob Santa Maria who set up the DLP, was an admirer of Franco, the fascist dictator of Spain. Meanwhile, since the emergence of Family First in 2004, because we've had other religious groups beside the DLP, we've had the Assemblies of God groups, uh, and broadly defined Christian parties have polled between 2.5% and 3%. And as in 2013, four Christian parties contested the 2016 election, there was Family First, the Christian Democrats, the Australian Christians and Rise Up Australia, but none of these have obtained representation in the Senate. And none, yeah, according to Tim Colbatch, in a very interesting article in Inside Story, uh, which is... A very good, very good um, commentary on the on the web. Malcolm Turnbull and coalition spin merchants in the media have told us that this was Labor's second worst vote since Moses was found floating on the stream. They are right, but it's only half of the story. The half they're not telling us, the half that Mr Turnbull's not telling us, is that the vote for the coalition is also at historic lows. And on current figures, it's 42.1%. And that's the third, equal third lowest vote the coalition parties have recorded in the 28 elections of the post-war era. And it's not one side of politics that has lost support from voters, it's both. Then, of course, you have to remember that 
the Liberal, the coalition is in fact a coalition of a Liberal and a National Party. And the Liberal Party vote was down and the National Party vote was up. Now, there's a very interesting table which we've reproduced um, from the Inside Story article by uh, Tim Colbatch on, on our website, which tells you or shows you since 1949 the rise of the protest vote. 1949, it was 3.7%. In 2016, it was 22.7%. And the coalition got 42.1%, and that's really low. Uh, 1998, they only had 39.5, but um, that's about the lowest that you can go, um, 42.1. Um, and the others got 22.7, and the Labor Party got 32, 35.2%. Uh, that is at... Um, uh, that is, those are not final figures, but they are very interesting figures. Now, the protest vote from the Greens is currently well organised and it's strongly represented, and they've had quite charismatic leaders, particularly with Bob Brown. But the DLP-related vote, or the religious vote, if you like, has fragmented. Realistically... The only figure who could lead a right-wing counterpart to the Greens as a protest vote or even as a third party is Tony Abbott. But he already leads a far more substantial Conservative group within the coalition and you would assume he's staying in Parliament because he aspires to return at least to the ministry and there's a lot of people demanding that he return to the ministry, you might notice, and preferably to the leadership of the Liberal Party. I mean, this this gentleman really, really does believe in in a life after death in the, in the in the political political arena. So the little parties of the right currently remain little parties. They officially directed preferences to each other at the Senate election, but as they didn't have the resources to staff more than a fraction of the seven thousand five hundred polling booths or advertise in the media. Their votes have much, didn't have much effect when preferences are counted. So in mo- although in most states the small right-wing parties scored between them far more than the quota needed to elect a sen- senator, with no strategy to make that happen, it's not clear that any outside the Hanson cap- camp are actually going to be elected. So one nation could be the only party of the right on the new Senate crossbench. And it would be very interesting to know what um, Senator Hanson thinks about public education. That's one thing nobody has actually asked her. Dogs note that while the political group, the DLP, that initiated state aid in the 1960s, together with all their various offspring, are in political disarray, And while the more public education-friendly Labor Party and Green Senators have strong representation in both the House of Representatives and now hold pretty well the balance of power in the Senate, the outlook for public education may not be as bleak as one would think. So that um, that is our commentary, if you like, on the election. We thought that... um, we would offer you what we what we thought because everybody else is doing so. Now that's enough for me for the moment. There's been a lot of very interesting material that 
our listeners have sent us, and I'm very grateful for it, um, in the last week, uh, particularly in the Fairfax media. And I'll pass you over now to Robert. Thank you very much, Jane. You're listening to The Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial and podcast and on the WWWs as well. We'll be returning with more news, views, reviews and um, discussion about public education in Victoria, Australia and the world after some Schubert.
Oh, what a lovely voice, relaxing here on an afternoon on a Saturday. Uh, you're listening to The Dogs Program. We are the defenders of government schools. We defend them because they're being attacked. Um, here we often comment on, on two specific issues. One, of course, is the separation of religion from the state in Australia, and the other, of course, is to defend government schools. And we state categorically that no, no taxpayers' money should go to any private private um, educational institution in the country because that's not what we pay our taxes for. Um, there's several sacred cows in Australia, and they have been for some time. They come and they go. You know, there's things like long weekends. You don't touch those in Australia. <laughs> They're a sacred cow. There's Anzac legend. They're all mates. You can't touch that. Um, Privatising public service is a good thing. Always, it has moral qualities. It saves money. All that sort of privatising things. That that's a good. That's a sacred cow in Australia at the moment. And the other, and and well, no, I don't think we agree with it, but I'm saying it's a sacred cow. Politically, uh, politicians won't touch it. Another one, of course, is you don't mess with the bishops, you don't mess with the churches, you don't mess with the Pentecostals, you don't mess with religious people, you don't mess with the imams because they'll beat you up at the ballot box. This is a sacred cow in Australian politics. Unless um, you're Julia Gard and you have the guts to set up a commission into sexual, um, uh, into sexual manipulation of children and worse. Yeah. yeah, but that was, but, but even when she did that, because there is a sacred cow, you don't miss religion, she had to do it into everything, not just the Catholic Church yeah. or n- not just religious institutions, which has actually, you know, to be fair, borne some fruit. Um, the state institutions that were guilty of the same crimes, however, I would suggest to you that by far, in terms of numbers um, of wrongdoing that has been exposed by the Royal Commission into Childhood Sexual Abuse, um, I think it's all obvious what's going on with various religious institutions that set up situations of putting people in power over children um, with any, without any oversight whatsoever. But that's not what I'm talking about, Jane. I'm talking about the sacred cows. Um, in, in an election, there's just things you don't talk about. You know, you don't attack the you don't attack the veterans when you're having an election. Uh, you don't take away people's public holidays when you're having an election. Um, you don't ask questions about whether privatisation is good or bad during an election. Um, you don't bring up indigenous issues either um, in elections because no one wants to talk about that. And of course, you don't really want to talk about um, the public funding of private schools during an election because, as the Catholic Church demonstrated at the last election, they will hammer you. As Jean quite rightly pointed out, uh, the bishops um, instructed the principals of Catholic schools to distribute literature to the parents to tell them not to vote for the Greens, not to vote for the Greens. Um, I think that made quite a few people vote for the Greens. I think actually. it did, actually. Yes, and yes. I think I mean, that was counterproductive, I would, Robert. I will, just, just as an aside, can you imagine a state school principal sending letters home to parents to tell them who to vote for. or, to, or to, it, it, It's just unconscionable. It just wouldn't happen under any circumstances. Do you know why? Because it's wrong. <laughs> um, but it's exactly that which politicians fear. And as I say, I had a chat to Alan Bant, and, um, the, the Labor member from Melbourne, who are, well, Alan Bant's now my member, and I said to him before all this thing blew up, I said, um, these people aren't going to vote for you anyway. <laughs> So for you, it's not actually a sacred cow. For you, it's open slather, but I don't think you believe me. <laughs> but this whole process of creating sacred cows is, is, is a significant problem. And I think listening carefully to what Jean was saying before we listened to that lovely Schubert here on the Dogs Program, um, I think Jean's onto something. I think when it comes to questions of education, the idea 
of talking in serious terms about how money should be spent on the children of Australia to create both fairness and equity um, in education, I think quite soon you'll start to hear some serious politicians start to talk about taking money away from private schools because currently in Australia it's, it's just ridiculous. It's so obviously corrupt. I mean, every time you, have to, every time you give a child a dollar in a school and that child needs that dollar, you have to give another dollar to a child that doesn't. That's functionally what happens in Australia today. So it's a complete waste of money. It's a benefit, of course, to um, those parents of those children who don't need the money because then, of course, um, they, they get extra pools and swimming pools and whatever it is at, at, at the school, that, the private schools that they're at. The problem is, Robert, that um, it's now becoming obvious that, that there's more money going to not even the wealthy schools but to schools like Scientology and brethren schools than is going to the local public school. Which it's is, come to that point. Which is, which is, in fact, the point that I'd now like to make. Because it's a sacred cow, because you can't talk about giving money to private religious schools, you can't talk about giving money to any sort of private religious school. Now, the Catholic Education Office here in Victoria, um, some of their nose at the Auditor General said we'll spend our money how we like and they're a powerful organisation. But hanging on their coattails are all sorts of really quite strange and interesting um, educational institutions. When I say interesting, I don't use that word in a nice way. Um, Because there's been recently an expose of public fundings for schools that are associated with the Church of Scientology. Now, it's been revealed that the Church of Scientology are doing very interesting things financially. And just to let me explain, and I'll be quoting extensively from um, an article by um, Eric Bagshaw from the Fairfax Press from The Age. And he's been doing some very interesting things, um, investigating what happens in schools of Scientology and indeed the exclusive brethren. Yes, because schools associated with the Church of Scientology are now actually receiving more government funding, not just more funding, more government funding per student than hundreds of Australian public schools. New data has now been released from the My School website, and this is despite benefiting from generous private donations and hundreds of thousands of dollars in school fees. Right, now there's two schools. There's the Athena School and the Yarralinda School, and they receive a combined total of up to $475,000 in recurrent public funding each year to educate a bit less than 60 kids. Now, the schools follows the way to happiness philosophy of Scientology founder L. Ron Hubbard, but maintained that they are a secular part of a tax-exempt applied scholastics group of schools worldwide, and there's a strong public links to the church. Now, applied scholastics groups, now I think that's a very interesting phrase. We, We might come back to that. Because the Way to Happiness Foundation, which distributes a booklet on the philosophy, has been described by a former church leader, Vicky um, Aznarin, as a front group to get people into Scientology. US and Australian educational authorities have previously complained about the Scientology text being subversively placed in public schools. Now, if you've been to a public school lately, you will see textbooks um, printed by applied scholastics. Now, in the inner west, back, back to the question here in Australia, in the inner west based school, Athena School, listed as the Australian, New Zealand and Oceania headquarters of the Applied Scholastics Group, students are funded through a combination of public funding, fees and tax-free donations. With each of its 30 students, 30 students benefiting from up to $20,000 in funding per year. According to the My School data, the school, which limits class sizes to 15 students, 
receives just $2,000 less per student in public funding than the nearby Newtown Public School, which has been forced to restrict its enrolment boundaries to stem the inflow, in, overflowing, I should say, classrooms and the inflow of extra kids. Now, at the same time, the Aralinda School outside Melbourne receives up to $11,000 in public funding for each of its 26 students. There are, this is more than the amount received by up to 800 New South Wales and Victorian public schools and $2,700 more than students in the nearby Rolling Hills School at Murrelbark. The public injection of both schools comes from a top-up of the $170,000 in tax-free finance received from, quote, private sources, that is, we're not allowed to know, which includes donations from church members to the applied scholastics, emphasised on its own website at more than $470,000 in school fees. Now, celebrities, including John Cr- or Tom Cruise and John Travolta, I was about to say John Cruise and Tom Travolta, but anyway. Yeah, we said it will go away. Um, have a long, have, they've long championed the Church of Scientology, which has previously been accused by the South Australian Independent Senator Nick Xenophon under parliamentary privilege of torture, perjury and financial coercion. Now, I tell you what, that paragraph, I'll read that again, mm. um, has been through the lawyers. <laughs> because Scientology um, have a habit of suing everyone and anyone that doesn't like them, which just at the moment might include me here on 3CR, 855 and AMDAL, but I'm reading word for word from an article um, on the age, so we should be kind of safe. Yes, and of course all of these allegations have been denied by the church. Now, a spokeswoman for the Church of Scientology said the church does not manage the schools and they are not a front group for the church. Then why is it a Scientology school? Uh, The Scientologists are here doing what the Roman Catholic Church did in the the Dogs High Court case. They're trying to say this is just a, a separate educational institution. It's not a religious institution. So why have it? Why have it at all? Um, you know what's what's really going on here? Uh, this is this is. Uh, well, the spokesperson for the, for the Scientology in Australia says these Scientology schools aren't Scientology schools, um, and they're completely independent secular associations um, that happen to be associated with Scientology. Yeah, I don't really understand that. Um, I just don't get it. So why get money as an as a religious organisation? Why um, get the exemptions? Why get why are they entitled to that? If well, I can tell you, it's because they're an educational institution, like a private provider. So, I mean, if you wanted to set up a school and say, you know, let's make it the Dale School of Daleness, mm-hmm. and um, you say I'm going to teach the national curriculum in in in, in Daleness, mm-hmm. um, you can get you can get funding for that. Yeah, yeah, but that's if I say it's in Daleness, and Daleness is recognised as a religion, I get all the kickbacks, all the perks, and oh, that's stuff. True. That's yeah. true. Um, but I have to say that it, it's religious in order to get the kickbacks. Oh, no, I, I will, and, and, and the taxes. So they're having their cake and eating it too. Indeed they are. Sorry for interrupting, Rob. No, 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 no. I mean, I, mean, I mean, you should know because you've got a cert for endowments. I mean, you, you, <laughs> But it's strange that, yeah, in order to, to get the benefits, they have to be religious, but they're saying that the school isn't religious, so why get the benefits? Because it's educational under the under the charities law um, since nine, 1898 with the um, Pemsel case, you have four or five heads of charity 
Um, it's a very strange system, isn't yeah. it? And yep. one of them is if you're if you're doing education, if you're religious or not religious, mm. if you're doing education, that says public good and you get taxation exemption okay. just for doing that. If you're a religion, do it. A religion do it. You can not only get the taxation exemptions, but you can when someone comes to look at your books, you can say, "Oh no, bagger off! You're mm. you're you're um you're getting in the way of my religious freedoms." Wow. Which is exactly wow. what the Catholic Education Office did in Australia. So give us the money and we don't have to tell you how we spent it. If you're just a private provider, so if you're like Upper Conductor uh, College of, of Daleness or something like mm. that, and the government says, how do you spend the money? You actually have to cough up your books. Mm. And, of course, when it comes to providing TAFE and stuff like that, um, when that happens, of course, um, they tend to disappear overseas with a couple of million dollars. So as soon as, as, soon as it's recognised... Affiliated with the religious, yep. Then, then, then you have this extra level of well, no, we 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 are going to spend this money in this way, and you can't say we can't because we now um, have several things because religion. Firstly, you, if you want to look at our books, you can say, well, we spend it this way, but we're completely allowed to because that's part of our religious belief. The second benefit you have if you're a religious organisation is you can hire and fire and sack or do whatever you like anyone you like, mm. and you are exempt from the anti-discrimination laws of this country. So you say, all right, I just found out that um, Miss Miggins teaching grade three is a lesbian, so we're going to sack her because she's a lesbian. They're allowed to do that. Um, if a child wants to enrol in that school, so no, 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 we're going to expel you because we just found out that your father is a homosexual. And because we're a religious organisation and we find those things deeply offensive to our religious beliefs, we're just going to get rid of you. Mm. Now, what this happens, of course, in practice is that they hire and fire and get rid of students who, and the phrase is usually, and there's been a lot of documentation of this, the phrase is usually, I'm afraid your usually quite difficult child um, isn't participating in the ethos of the school. And so they just get rid of all the kids they don't like which, of course, end up in a local state school, which, as a matter of absolute values, takes them and loves them. Mm. The state school takes them. The, t the state school educates them. But the private schools, no, no, no. And private schools with religious affiliations can just do that because they are exempt from the law. They are outside the law of Australia. Mm. That's the whole point of being a religious private school. The Catholic Church in most of the countries that it exists in is, in fact, a state within a state. The reason why Section 116 was placed in the um, Australian Constitution, certainly in the draft by um, Inglis Clark, was because he believed that you should not have within uh, a nation state an, an imperio in imperium, in other words, a state within a state. Um, as you have, of course, in Italy, where you've actually got Vatican. the Vatican state. But we have a... a an offshoot of the Vatican State in Australia and with other um, established churches also. We did not want to have an established church of any kind, a state within a state, and to avoid this, of course, you have to stop entanglement of a state, yeah. this state within the state by not giving it money, not giving it oxygen. Indeed. You have religious freedom. They have every every right to have their belief, they have every right to set yeah. up their own school and pay for it, yeah. but they don't and they should not have the right to have taxpayers' money. Yeah. Uh, but and they have done this by uh, mulling up and really um, 
making a mess of Section 116 and the idea of uh, separation of religion from the state. And they have often used the verbiage of parental choice, and the Scientologists are doing the same. Mm. They're saying that, in fact, it was a group of concerned parents that set up these schools. <laughs> and, uh, yes, it's, well, um, even, it's, even, it's called dissembling. But in the article it says um, concerned parents set up the schools so that they could teach them their beliefs, right? Um, their their values. Peculiar religious tenets, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's overtly a religious... So why are they trying to set, distance themselves from being a religious school when they're overtly uh, set up to... What did you call them? Uh, bizarre religious well, well, tenets? I wouldn't say bizarre because because that's um because that's sorry been, no, that's no 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 me editorialising no no of course and, and and quite frankly you're entitled to opinion and I'm not going to stop you talking <laughs> certainly I'm not on three CR are peculiar or particular I mean because there's less pejorative because people yeah. believe all sorts of things sure. and, we, and here at three CR there's people believe all sorts, you and know, we have a right to it's a beautiful world when we do I I think that's great but Jane's point is is very fundamental to what we're saying here on the dogs which is that Go for your life uh, with your particular religious tenets. That's but that's but that's none of that's none of my concern. Yeah. Don't ask me to subsidise it. Yeah. I mean, one of the consequences of this, which I mean, I find personally annoying. It's not offensive. Offensive is a stupid word. I, it annoys me is that when you have religious organisations say, "Oh, but you know, we take all the all the difficult children because it's because we're Christians and we're being very charitable." Hmm. Um, educating a child with a disability is not a charitable act. No. I'm sorry. It's just bloody not. That child's got a right to an that education. That child has a right. It's not a charitable act, you know. And I've, I've worked How in a lot of... How patronising is that? It really annoys me. And you see in so many schools, in fact very wealthy schools, that will have a token number um, of children on scholarships, very, very happy parents, um, so, that, so that they can literally wheel these students out and say that we are fulfilling our social obligation as religious people. Imagine if students heard themselves being spoken about like that. Well, especially like uh, dis, dis, you know, people with who who are differently abled, you know, they already get patronised enough. The one thing that Gonski did, and I, I think the Gonski model of funding doesn't work. You know, I, I sure. think I think it's a it's a it's, it's a it's short a voucher system. It's a short road to a very to a very nasty dead end. But the one thing Gonski did was that he established that this whole idea of you know the Catholic education system or religious schools, they had all these children with disability, and mm. they had that they were they were doing the right thing because they're good religious people. They the did. one thing that Gonski found, and it was unequivocal, was that this was not the case. Yeah. It was functional and actual tokenism. Wow. Um, because you know who does educate all, all the children all the time because that is the value of the system and that of course is the state education system. Mm. And, um, this, anyway, and this, is, this isn't just anecdotal stuff. Now that's the one thing that Gonski did do. He said this system's a mess, it's deeply inequitable, you should do something about it. But as I mentioned at the front, it's a sacred cow. Now, you're asking a very important and, I think, interesting question is why are the Scientologists trying to tell us they're not Scientologists? Well, when it comes to why? the school. Why? Yeah, why, why, why would they deny their Scientologinesses? Um, through when, this school. Through this school. Um, and the money, reason is... Follow the money. But, but don't they need to be <coughs> Scientologists in order to get the benefits? Follow the money and they start to dissemble. As soon as a religious person wants the state money or... Uh, 
uh, is prepared to uh, dissemble in order to get that state money, then you have this situation. We saw it uh, in 1979 for, for 26 days in the High Court of Australia with people who had been arguing for 100 years that they were running uh, schools that were religious schools for matters of conscience, the conscience of their people. They stood in the uh, Court of Australia, the highest court of the land, and dissembled. They didn't tell lies. They mm. dissembled. They muddied the waters. And that the Scientologists are doing exactly the same thing as the Roman Catholic Church did in 1979. But I'd actually, I'd actually go out further because, I mean, that was in 1979 and the Scientologists are doing exactly the same thing. But it's happening for a slightly different reason. And it goes back to the original point I was making is that Talking about public funding to private schools is sacred cow in Australia. You cannot do that unless you're here on the dogs program on 3CR. You're not allowed to. Politicians run a mile from it. They don't want to talk about it. They'll they'll talk about, you know, divisive and, you know, separate and offensive, this is and that. We don't get called sectarian anymore, which is interesting, but they will run a mile because they know that powerful religious organisations will try and beat up on any political party that wants to make this a political issue. So they won't and they don't. So it's about the lobby. It's about the lobby, but it's slightly, I think, more interesting that, than that. And I, this gets to why the Scientologists want to talk about not being Scientologists, okay. is that if you scratch a lot of religious schools in Australia, what you find underneath the veneer is actually kind of not acceptable to the broader Australian population. Mm. It's actually, if you scratch it, you go, oh, that's a bit weird. And then you connect that, oh, that's a bit weird, to public funding for that's a bit weird. That actually starts to open up and say, well, we shouldn't be giving money to this school, these Scientologists or these exclusive brethren or these Dominionists. Mm. And as soon as you do that, you go, well, if you can't give it to one organisation because they're a bit weird, then you can't give it to any because that gets back to the fundamental thing. You see, separation of religion and the state takes different forms in different countries. Here in Australia, the idea is, and Jean will tell you this, under Section 116, there should be no religious test in the Commonwealth when it comes to you know, giving money. Right? So you can't say, I'm going to give you money because you're a Christian and I'm not going to give you money because you're a Muslim because that is actually discrimination. You know, saying, well, that's a good religion, that's a bad religion. The government makes an assessment mm. And, and that's not right. No. So in Australia what we do is we give it to all of them. Senator Hanson will be prepared to say that, I think you'll find you know, out. <laughs> yes, so yes. it's going to be very interesting to see what happens <laughs> when she does. And so like, to sort of reinforce, I think, this point, and it does come out of your question, I'm going to quote a little bit from Brian Morris's new book, Sacred to Secular, where he says that there are now in Australia, when they probably weren't back in 1979, an increasing number of private Christian schools. They're not Catholics, they're private Christian schools, or they will come back to that. They're now in the front line of an extreme form of fundamentalism. And while Australia is some way short of the dominionism of America, the early momentum here in Australia is actually now becoming quite evident. Hmm. Even back in 1996, Robert Long wrote a highly informative thesis, The Development of um, thermelic schools in in Australia, and it outlined the growth of the conservative Christian stand in schooling in terms of thermelic, which is based on the use of the Bible to emphasise their theological tradition in education. And he makes these observations. 
This new kind of conservative Protestant schooling emerging in Australia after 1962, these schools developed out of the reaction to a secular humanist trends which emerged after World War II. So this is sort of the, this is a reaction to the hippie movement, you know, free love and all that sort of stuff. There was a, there was a counterculture. This is like, mm. oh, I don't think that's right, I, and and that in itself has has continued as a tradition, you know, after the sixties. Now, in nineteen ninety six, there were approximately three hundred of these particular Christian schools with around about sixty thousand students in them. And one of the central arguments is for these schools is one of fear and confusion. The motives of the system are inerrancy of the Bible and the language of Christ-centeredness. And it's argued that these schools are laden with numerous contradictions that have not been addressed, and the schools are reactionary, they are authoritarian, and they're educationally self-limiting. That is to say, I have worked in schools in Victoria where the girls who go to that school are prevented by the religious practices of the school from ever attending university because they're girls. That's it. And that school is a government-funded school here in Victoria. Now, you see, I'm scratching a surface and you're shaking your head. Mm. And I think a lot of people around Victoria go, well, that's not right. Mm. Why am I giving money to an education system that's that's setting things up? And I'll just go on. Um, We've had Professor Maddox here on on the DOGS program, Professor Marion Maddox, and she wrote a book a couple of years ago in 2014 called Taking God to School. And she says that some of these schools are built on the theology that is quite specific about the place Christians should occupy in a non-religious and multi-faith society. So we live in a, we actually live in a sort of fundamentally non-religious and multi-faith society, mm. and these children are going to this school. They're taken out of that, mm. and they're told they have a role. And this is what is called dominion theology, and it's one of superiority, and it's taken from biblical texts where God is said to have told Adam and Eve and I quote here from the Bible, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Now, dominionism continues to gain a following among Calvinists, Pentecostals and Evangelicals in general in Australia. Now, Maddox says parents who choose such schools are looking for better discipline and higher educational standards and may remain oblivious to some of the theological fine print throughout the children's enrolment documents. She says, and I quote Marion Maddox here, a number of Christian education network schools uh, uh, basically announce they are prepared, they are to prepare students to rule and have dominion over the earth. Uh, The Covenant Christian School in Belrose, New South Wales, teaches its students that, and I quote, their rightful place in God's world is, among other things, to rule with a meaning to rule in a stewardly way that reflects our status as being the co-heirs of Christ and our special calling to have dominion over the earth in a loving and caring manner. Now, the loving and caring, Maddox thinks, is, is tacked on to the end, and it doesn't actually detract from the meaning of ruling. And these people are, are um, climate change deniers very often, aren't they? Oh, very much so. Mm. Now, the Rehoboth Christian College draws attention to the staunchly religious discipline of their school te- school's teachers, rather than secular teachers who fail to meet their required godly standards. And they say there are basically two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. 
This is Manichaeanism. Yeah. It, it seems strange to have those who work in the darkness to educate the children of the light. Oh, no, no, this is, this is, this is a, a Christian heresy. It's one of the earliest heresies, sorry. Um, um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> do you know what? A, you're right. Yes, you're right. Yes, and, you, and, and you actually have a point Even of view. Even as a Christian, but I don't to care. This, yes. I don't care. No, no, as a and Christian, I object to the Manichaeans. Of course. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't care. Mm. This is me scratching the surface of a government-funded organisation mm. going, that's a bit awkward. Mm. How can you give – what? Mm. Um, and it goes even further because, you know, here, here, here in Victoria we have the exclusive brethren who are a very interesting mob. Now, some might say, say, Robert, you're cherry-picking. You're, you're, you're picking these shocking – well, I think they're shocking mm, – examples. And, and this isn't true for most schools and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, that is the point and it's not. I mean, I can keep going, but then it'll be a very long program and everyone will get bored and shocked her and shocked her and shocked her. No, no, I think the main point, Robert, is that the Fairfax Press and even the Murdoch Press are prepared to talk about the Scientologists and the Brethren. They're they're prepared to cherry-pick, but they are not prepared to take on... Uh, the the big ones, although mm. there has been a very interesting report in the last week in the Fairfax media about cheating at Kerry Grammar. Yes. Uh, so uh, I think it's very interesting how, in fact, it is the the um, the press itself, the mainstream media, which does the cherry picking mm. uh, to make news, but they never get to the basis of all this, that unfortunately in Australia at the moment, our mainstream political parties are, quote, sector blind because they have a fear of the so-called private school or Catholic vote. And the reason I did that um, press release, which I read out earlier, is I believe that the Catholic vote has become very mythological indeed. Mm. And at the moment, at this exact moment in Australia's history, the um, fairly uh, Christ- the Christian parties, what you would regard as um, right-wing religious parties, um, very much like the DLP was, but uh, of a different order, uh, these parties are headless. There's about four or five of them, and they really don't have anyone to uh, bring them together although they are attracting votes. So while while the religious sector politically is as weak as I suspect it really is and the secularists are much stronger than people realise they are, I think now is the time to push forward, for the dogs to push forward and demand an end to state aid because it has failed. It has mm. failed the nation very badly in the educational field. Yep. Mm. The Greens are almost there. The Greens actually are almost there. They're not quite. They were there when they weren't, get, when they weren't winning any particular seats. They were there. And mm. poor John Kay passed away. It's very mm. sad. But they're going to go back to it. And I really do think they are. And there will be votes in it. Mm. Um, it's, well, the sex party got a lot of votes purely they, on this issue. Yeah, they yes. got mine. Um, absolutely. Um, it's, I think, a fascinating time. And when Jean talks about history, she really is talking about very interesting times here in Australia, certainly when it comes to the education of the children of the nation, mm. because there is an imperative. There is an imperative. And it's got to the point in Australia where if you just crunch the numbers, forget about the politics, forget about God, 
doesn't matter what colour, shape, size, forget about it. If you just crunch the numbers, taking the money away from the private school sector, nationalising the education system in Australia has net some public benefit financially. Because they've been greedier and greedier and greedier over the one, two, three generations, if you take the money away from the private school sector, you are going to save the government money. Now, this is an argument. This is a new argument. Because one of the arguments the private school sector is used, well, if you give the money to the private sector, we will educate the children more cheaply because the parents contribute and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Well, at a certain point, it's difficult to argue against it because if you crunch the numbers without talking about duplication, if you crunch the numbers without talking about um, uh, all the sort of disadvantaged students that aren't in the private sector, Mm. without talking about it, if you just crunch the numbers without talking about anything else, in the past you go, oh, yeah, fair enough. Well, of course, that would be a stupid argument either way because it's They're like, still trying to it's like looking at the elephant's toe and, and, and trying to describe the problem. Mm. But even if you just look at the elephant's toe, if you just look at the numbers in Australia today, it's got to the point where you would save money mm. by taking away government funding for all private schools, not just some. Because this, because this is this is this is the thing. This is what I'm talking about. If you take it away from the Scientologists, but don't take it away from the Anglicans. If you take it away from the exclusive brethren, but you don't take it away from the Muslims, or you take it away from the Muslims and you don't take it away from the Christians, then that is that's not actually a secular society. No. Here at the Dogs, we don't propose that. I'm not sitting here saying the Scientologists are a bunch of people that make me actually kind of nervous, and I'm not really happy about that. But we should take their money away. Mm. You can't just do that. They're small fry. They're only between 2,000 and 3,000 members well, no, in Australia. As a matter of principle, mm. you can't do that. That's correct. You just, And that's not what we're proposing. I'm not saying here, mm. let's stop all what I consider to be um, very peculiar mm-hmm. religious tenets being inculcated into small children at the taxpayer's expense. I'm not saying that. I mean, it's, it's an all or nothing thing. And I, I really truly believe if you did it right now in Australia... Um, the tax burden would go down. Oh, it, it would really help it, the bottom line of the budget. That's it would sure. be a revolution. <laughs> it would be. Schools would go out of business and people would cry and they no, talk no, about no, this. No, 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 it wouldn't. It happened before. It happened in the 19th century. There's nothing new about this. Mm. What a strange phrase, schools go out of business, like schools were a business yeah. but they to are. begin with. The Scientology ones are a business. Well, I mean, oh, so are okay. the Brethren ones. The, uh, f- the market so theocratists would have yeah. us believe everything is a business. Well, no, of course, exactly, which is why there's the now two forces we're fighting against. But I think the, the market theocrats will go, well, no, f- free markets are what makes the world go around. I think in, in this case, yeah, go for your life. Um, don't subsidise yeah. particular and peculiar religious tenets. Um, I don't think you should privatise it, I think, quite frankly. And this is just an aside, but for me personally, every time people talk about health and education together, mm. it annoys me because mm. health and education are completely separate. Very Completely huge, complex issues, separate. All money you spend on education, all of it, every cent you spend, or every five-cent piece, because we don't have cents anymore, every five-cent piece you spend on education is an investment. Mm. It's not a cost. It's not, you know, it's it's not something you can depreciate. It's not capital. It's Mm. 
it's an investment. Mm. It's an investment in the country. Health, arguably, you would say that, you know, to keep a, a, a 103-year-old person alive is, is a cost. I mean, I'm, I'm being a bit mean and nasty here. Again, complex issues. It's immensely yeah. complex issue, but I don't think the education one's complex at all. I no, just think not it's, at all. When you it's actually all look at what, what the market mm. and the privatisation has done in the vet sectors, mm. when in New South Wales, yes, I can see the time, student numbers have plummeted by 80,000. Uh, because they don't trust the students, don't trust the private sector um, vet um, Would you? people. Would yeah. you? Would <laughs> you? I wouldn't touch it. If I wanted training, um, yeah. and I do now because I'm, I'm, I'm up for a bit of extra training, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch a private provider to save my life. No, wouldn't do it. But the trouble is that the public ones aren't there anymore for them. Yeah. That's true enough. You've been listening to The Dogs Programme here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. We've had a good show. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. We've enjoyed ourselves here in the studio. And we will, of course, be back again next week to defend public education because that's what the dogs do. We are D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Until next week, it's bye for now. Says he.